0: chapter sixteen of our friend the charlatan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org our friend the charlatan by george gissing chapter sixteen for a week after lady ogram's return dr baldwin called daily at rivenoak his patient he said was suffering from over-exertion had she listened to his advice she would never have gone to london the marvel was that such an imprudence had had no worse results lady ogram herself of course refused to take this view of the matter she was perfectly well only a little tired and as the hot nights interfered with her sleep just now she rested during the greater part of the day seeing lashmar for half an hour each afternoon in the little drawing-room upstairs her friendliness with dyce had much increased when he entered the room she greeted him almost affectionately and their talk was always of his brilliant future i want to see you safely in parliament she said one day i can't expect to live till you've major name that isn't done so quickly but i shall see you squash rob and that's something of his success at hollingford she seemed never to entertain a doubt and lashmar though by no means so sanguine said nothing to discourage her his eye noted ominous changes in her aspect and her way of talking even the sound of her voice made plain to him that she was very rapidly losing the reserve of force which kept her alive constance who was on friendly terms with the doctor learnt enough of the true state of things to make her significantly grave after each visit she and dyce naturally exchanged no remark on the subject what do your parents say lady ogram asked of lashmar during one of their conversations they are delighted especially my mother who has always been very ambitious for me but i mean about your engagement had of course omitted all mention of constance in his letters to alverholm they give their approval he replied because they have confidence in my judgment i fancy he added with a modest smile that their ambition in this respect is not altogether satisfied but i have said nothing whatever to them about the peculiarity of constance's position i didn't feel justified in doing so you may tell them everything said lady ogram graciously she one day received a letter from mrs toplady which gave her great satisfaction it seemed to re-establish her vigour of mind and body she came downstairs lunched with her young friends and talked of going to wales may is enjoying herself greatly she must stay a little longer the day before yesterday she was at a garden-party at lady honeybourne's where they acted as you like it in the open air there was mention of it yesterday in the papers remarked lashmar yes yes i saw and may's name among the guests of course of course i noticed that lord dymchurch was there too she ended with a quavering laugh unexpected and rather uncanny and the much-discussed mr langtoft put in constance after a keen look at the mirthful hippocratic face langtoft yes said dyce i don't quite know what to think of that fellow there seems to me something not quite genuine about him what is he doing at lady honeybourne's garden-party it looks like tuft-hunting don't you think constance Dice was secretly annoyed that an idea of his own that is to say from his own french philosopher should be put into practice by someone else before he could assert his claim to it very vexatious that langtoff's activity was dragged into public notice just at this moment i don't at all like the tone of his last letter to you said constance he writes in a very flippant way not a bit like a man in earnest not long ago miss bride's opinion of langtoft would have been quite different now she was disposed to say things that dyce lashmar liked to hear dyce had remarked the change in her it flattered him but caused him at the same time some uneasiness inevitably they passed much time together on the journey from london constance had asked him whether he would not like to begin cycling he received the suggestion with careless good-humour at rivenoak constance returned to it insisted upon it and as he had little to do dyce went into hollingford for lessons in a week's time he could ride and on a brand-new bicycle of the most approved make accompanied his nominally betrothed about the country ways constance evidently enjoyed their rides together she was much more amiable in her demeanour more cheerful in mind she dropped the habit of irony and talked hopefully of lashmar's prospects what's the news from breakspear she inquired as they were peddling softly along an easy road one afternoon dyce having spent the morning in hollingford oh he's a prancing optimist dyce replied he sees everything rose-colour or pretends to i'm not quite sure which if Dobbin the grocer meets him in the street and says he's going to vote liberal at next election Brakespeare sings the paean i notice that you seem rather doubtful lately said constance her eyes upon him well you know there is a good deal of doubt it depends so much on what happens between now and the dissolution he entered into political detail showing the forces arrayed against him dwelling on the ingrained toryism of hollingford or as he called it the Burgess's rubbish mind there's no use is there in blinking facts of course not it's what i never do as i think you are aware we must remember that to contest the seat is something it makes you known if you don't win you will wait for the next chance not necessarily here dyce had observed that the pronoun we was rather frequently on constance's lips she was identifying their interests true he admitted look at that magnificent sycamore yes but i shouldn't have known it was a sycamore how is it you know trees so well that's my father's doing replied Dice. he used to teach me them when i was a youngster mine was thinking more about social statistics i knew the number of paupers in london before i had learnt to distinguish between an ash and an oak do you ever hear from your father now and then said lashmar his machine wobbling a little for he had not yet perfect command of it and fell into some peril if his thoughts strayed they want me to run over to Alverholme presently perhaps i may go next week constance was silent they wheeled on without speaking for some minutes then dyce asked how long does lady ogram wish me to stay here i don't quite know are you in any hurry to get away not at all only if i'm soon going back to london i should take Alverholme on the journey would you probe our friend for me i'll try at this time they were both reading a book of nietzsche that philosopher had only just fallen into their hands though of course they had heard much of him lashmar found the matter considerably to his taste though he ridiculed the form nietzsche's individualism was up to a certain point in full harmony with the tone of his mind he enjoyed this frank contempt of the average man persuaded that his own place was on the seat of the lofty and that disdain of the humdrum in life or in speculation had always been his strong point to be sure he counted himself nietzsche's superior as a moralist as a thinker he imagined himself much more scientific but having regard to his circumstances and his hopes this glorification of unscrupulous strength came opportunely refining away its grosser aspects dyce took the philosophy to heart much more sincerely than he had taken to himself the humanitarian bio-sociology on which he sought to build his reputation and constance for her part was hardly less interested in nietzsche she too secretly liked this insistence on the right of the strong for she felt herself one of them she too for all her occupation with social reform was at core a thorough individualist desiring far less the general good than her own attainment of celebrity as a public benefactress nietzsche spoke to her instincts as he does to those of a multitude of men and women hungry for fame avid of popular applause but she like lashmar criticised her philosopher from a moral height she did not own to herself the intimacy of his appeal to her he'll do a great deal of harm in the world she said this same afternoon as dyce and she drank tea together the jingo impulse and all sorts of forces making for animalism will get strength from him directly or indirectly it's the negation of all we are working for you and i of course it is Dice replied in a voice of conviction we have to fight against him he added after a pause there is a truth in him of course but it's one of those truths which are dangerous to the generality of men constance assented with a certain vagueness of course and he delivers his message so brutally that no doubt increases its chance of acceptance the weak who don't know how else to assert themselves tend naturally to brutality carlyle taught pretty much the same thing at bottom but his humor and his puritanism made the effect different besides the time wasn't ripe then for the doctrine of irresponsible force religion hadn't utterly perished in the masses of men as it has now given a world without religious faith in full social revolution with possibilities of wealth and power dangle before every man's eyes what can you expect but the prevalences of a more or less ferocious egoism we who are not egoists he looked into his companion's eyes yet are conscious of unusual strength may it seems to me avail ourselves of the truth in nietzsche which after all is very much the same as my own theory of the selection of a fit for rule the difference is that we wish to use our power for the common good whilst nietzsche's teaching results in a return to sheer barbarism the weak trampled because of their weakness constance approved yes their aim undoubtedly was the common good and whilst keeping this in view they need not perhaps be over fastidious as to the means they employed she had for years regarded herself as at war with society in the narrow sense of the word its creeds great or small had no validity for her she had striven for what she deemed her rights the rights of a woman born with intellect and will and imagination yet condemned by poverty to rank among subordinates the struggle appeared to have brought her within view of triumph and was it not to herself her natural powers and qualities that she owed all at this moment she felt her right to pursue any object which seemed to her desirable what was good for her was good for the world at large the next morning they started at the usual hour for their ride but the sky was cloudy and as they were leaving the park spots of rain fell it was not by the lodge gates that they usually set forth more convenient for their purpose was a postern in the wall which enclosed the greater part of rivenoak the approach to it was from the back of the house across a paddock and through a birch copse where stood an old summer-house now rarely entered constance with her own key had just unlocked the door in the wall she paused and glanced cloudward i think it'll be a shower said lashmar suppose we shelter in the summer-house they did so and stood talking under the roof of mossy tiles what have you worked at this morning asked constance nothing particular i've been thinking i wish you would try to tell me how you worked out your biosociology. you must have had a great deal of trouble to get together your scientific proofs and illustrations a good deal of course answered dyce modestly i had read for years all sorts of scientific and historical books i rather wonder you didn't write a book of your own evidently you have all the material for one don't you think it might be well we have spoken of that you know was dyce's careless reply i prefer oral teaching still a solid book such a one as you could easily write would do you a great deal of good do think about it will you her voice had an unusual quality it was persuasive and almost gentle in speaking she looked at him with eyes of unfamiliar expressiveness and all the lines of her face had softened of course if you really think began lashmar affecting to ponder the matter i should so like you to do it constance pursued still with the markedly feminine accent which she certainly did not assume will you please me her eyes fell before the other's quick startled look there was a silence rain pattered on the tiles i'll think about it dyce replied at length moving and speaking uneasily it's raining quite hard you know he added moving into the doorway the roads will be no good after this no we had better go in said constance with sudden return to dry curt speech it was evident that in his anomalous situation lashmar's method with women could not have fair play he was in no small degree beholden to constance and her odd behaviour of late kept him in mind of his obligation doubtless he thought she intended that and his annoyance at what he considered a lack of generosity outweighed the satisfaction his vanity might have found in her new manner towards him that manner especially this morning reminded him of six years ago was constance capable of exacting payment of a debt which she imagined him to have incurred at alverhome women think queerly and are no less unaccountable in their procedure his curiosity busied itself with the vaguely indicated compact between constance and lady ogram but no word on the subject not even a distant allusion to it ever fell from his nominally betrothed and the old lady herself however amiable spoke not at all of the things he desired to know was it not grossly unjust to him until he clearly understood constance's future position how could he decide upon his course with regard to her conceivably the proposed marriage might carry advantages which it behooved him to examine with all care conceivably also it might at a given moment be his sole rescue from embarrassment or worse meanwhile ignorance of the essential factors of the problem put him at a grave disadvantage constance was playing a game so dyce saw it with all the cards visible before her and to such a profound observer as he it was not unnatural to suppose that she played for something worth the while curiously enough dyce did not presume to believe that he himself his person his mind his probable career were gain sufficient a singular modesty ruled his meditations at this juncture other things were happening which interfered with the confident calm essential to his comfort since the vexatious little incident at mrs toplady's he had not seen iris woolstan on the eve of his departure for rivenoak he wrote to her a friendly letter in the usual strain just to acquaint her with his movements and to this letter there came no reply it was unlikely that iris's answer had somehow failed to reach him of course she would address to rivenoak no doubt she had discovered his little deception and took it ill iris was quite absurd enough to feel jealousy and to show it of all the women he knew she had the most essentially feminine character fortunately she was as weak as foolish at any time he could get the upper hand of her in a private interview but his sensibility made him restless in the thought that she was accusing him of ingratitude perhaps of behaviour unworthy a gentleman yes there was the true sting dyce lashmar prided himself on his intellectual lucidity but still more on his possession of the instincts Of the mental and moral tone which are called gentlemanly it really hurt him to think that any one could plausibly assail his claims in this respect when he had been a week at rivenoak he again wrote to mrs woolstan of her failure to answer his last letter he said nothing she had of course received the hollingford express with a report of his speech on the twentieth how did she like it could she suggest any improvement she knew that he valued her opinion right he concluded as soon as you have leisure i shall be here i think for another week or so by the bye i have taken to cycling and i fancy it will be physically good for me to this communication mrs woolstan replied she began with a few formal commendations of his speech you are so kind as to ask if i can suggest any way in which you could have been improved, but of course i know that that is only a polite phrase i should not venture to criticise anything of yours now even if i had the presumption to think that i was capable of saying anything worth your attention i am sure you need no advice from me nor from any one else now that you have the advantages of miss bride's counsels i regret very much that i have so slight an acquaintance with that lady but mrs toplady tells me that she is admirably suited to be your companion and to encourage and help you in your career i shall have the pleasure of watching you from a distance and of sincerely wishing you happiness as well as success the formal style of this letter so different from iris's ordinary effusions made sufficient proof of the mood in which it was written dyce bit his lips over it he had foreseen that mrs woolstan would hear of his engagement but had hoped it would not be just yet there was for the present no help in her eyes he stood condemned of something more than indelicacy fortunately she was not the kind of woman he felt sure to be led into any vulgar retaliation all he could do was to write a very brief note in which he expressed a hope of seeing her very soon. I shall have much to tell you, he added, and tried to think that Iris would accept this as a significant promise. After all, were not man and woman disguised the fact as one might condemned by nature to mutual hostility, useless to attempt rational methods with beings to whom reason was fundamentally repugnant. Dice fell from mortification into anger and cursed the poverty which forbade him to act in full accordance with his ideal of conduct he had spent nearly a fortnight at rivenoak when lady ogram now seemingly restored to her ordinary health summoned him at eleven in the morning to the green drawing-room i hope i didn't disturb your work she began kindly as you are leaving so soon dyce had said nothing whatever about departure i should like to have a quiet word with you whilst constance is in the town all goes well at hollingford doesn't it very well indeed i think breakspear gets more hopeful every day lady ogram nodded and smiled then a fit of abstraction came upon her she mused for several minutes dyce respectfully awaiting her next words what are your own wishes about the date imagining that she referred to the election and that this was merely another example of failing intelligence dyce answered that for his own part he was ready at any time if a dissolution pooh lady ogram interrupted i'm talking about your marriage ah yes yes i haven't asked constance suppose we say the end of october you could get away for a month or two one thing is troubling me lady ogram said dyce in tone of graceful hesitancy i feel that it will be a very ill return for all your kindness to rob you of constance's help and society which you prize so the keen old eyes were fixed upon him do you think i am going to live for ever sounded abruptly and harshly though it was evident with no harsh intention i'm sure i hope well we won't talk about it i must do without constance that's all you'll of course have a house in london but both of you will often be down here it's understood about the end of october time enough to make arrangements i'll settle it with constance so to-morrow morning you leave us on a visit to your parents i suppose you'll spend a couple of days there in his confused mind dyce could only fix the thought that constance had evidently told lady Ogram of his intention to go to Alverholme it was plain that those two held very intimate colloquies a couple of days he murmured in reply good of course you'll write to me when you're in town again at luncheon lady ogram talked of lashmar's departure constance he felt sure already knew about it really he was treated with somewhat scant ceremony an obstinate mood fell upon him he resolved that he would say not a word to constance of what had passed this morning if she wished to speak of the proposed date of their marriage let her broach the subject herself through the meal he was taciturn miss bride and he dined alone together that evening they had not met since midday dyce was still disinclined for talk constance on the other hand fell into a cheerful vein of chat and seemed not at all to notice her companion's lack of amiability i shall go by the eight twenty seven said dyce abruptly towards the end of the meal yes that's your best train you'll be at alvar home before ten o'clock after dinner they sat together for scarcely a quarter of an hour constance talking of politics dyce absolutely silent then miss bride rose and offered her hand so good-bye she spoke so pleasantly and looked so kindly that lashmar for a moment felt ashamed of himself he pressed her hand and endeavoured to speak cordially shall i hear from you constance asked trying to meet his eyes why of course very soon thank you i shall be very glad thus they parted and Dice, for a couple of hours sat smoking and brooding on the morrow at luncheon lady ogram mentioned to constance that may tomlin would arrive on the following afternoon she added presently that lord dymchurch had accepted an invitation to rivenoak for a day or two in the ensuing week that morning the post had brought constance a letter and a packet the letter was from mrs toplady who wrote thus dear miss bride this morning i came across an article in an american magazine which it struck me would interest you the subject is recent sociological speculations it reviews several books among them one by a french author which seems to be very interesting when i showed the article to miss tomalin she agreed with me that there seemed a striking resemblance between the theories of this french sociologist and those which mr lashmar has independently formed probably mr lashmar would like to see the book in any case you and he will i am sure be interested in reading this article together to my great regret miss tomalin or may as i have come to call her leaves me the day after to-morrow but the advantage is yours at rivenoak please give my love to dear lady ogram who is i hope now quite well again with kindest regards sincerely yours geraldine Toplady. constance had read the article in question and immediately after doing so had dispatched an order to london for the french sociological work therein discussed end of chapter sixteen